you're listening to Paz de Chipotle, the show that will take you to discover the edible treasures of Mexico. Episode 1 Today, we will talk about the distinctive features and events involved in the birth of Mexican food, the big gastronomic regions of the country, and some of the misconceptions and stereotypes that exist about Mexican food. Imagine a fried, thin, crisp and golden brown tortilla in front of you. Then, spread a dollop of creamy refried beans on this delicate surface. This fragile base will be the support of a series of layered toppings beginning with julienne iceberg lettuce, shredded chicken, sliced tomatoes, strings of quesillo cheese, which is similar to mozzarella, garnished with a generous dollop of cream, avocado slices, and freshly made salsa. This is a tostada. Tostada is a traditional snack with a perfect balance of textures, colors, and flavors, just like those you find across many Mexican dishes. To eat this treat, you need to hold the crisp tortilla and take a big bite through the tall layers. You will soon feel the contrast between the textures of the ingredients that go from crisp to chewy, juicy, velvety and sharp. Tostadas illustrate the complexity and creativity of traditional Mexican recipes that far from being a random combination of typically Mexican ingredients, they have a methodical and well-crafted balance of ingredients, defined cooking methods, a range of textures, colors and even eating techniques. Hello everybody, and welcome to Paz de Chipotle, a delicious and thought-provoking bi-weekly show that will take you on an exciting journey to discover the edible treasures of Mexico's world-acclaimed cuisine. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food historian, cook, and author. You can find more information about this project at pazdechipotle.com. Find the show on Twitter as Chipotle Podcast. Now... Let's get on with the show. The art and craft of Mexican food. Outside Mexico, Mexican food is often recognized for its colors, a heavy use of chiles, and intense flavors. Mexican food has also become synonymous with street food that people enjoy as an occasional break from the boredom of repetitive office lunches. If I'd ask you to come up with four dishes, ingredients or flavors that evoke Mexican food for you, what would you think of? Maybe some of you will think of beans, burritos, some might think of chile con carne or guacamole, while others smiled at the thought of sloshy margaritas. Mm. The truth is that most of the associations that people tend to have about Mexican food are often influenced by cultural stereotypes and gastronomic cliches. Based on a handful of ingredients offered by fast food global chains who often take inspiration from a Tex-Mex repertoire. In the last segment of this week's episode, we will explore in full detail the origins of Tex-Mex food. But for now, let's focus on the evolution of traditional Mexican food, which is remarkably diverse 
both in the breadth and depth of its flavors, combination of ingredients and cooking methods. So now that we're embarking into this quest to find the gastronomic roots of Mexican food, let's ponder this. Would it be possible to point at a specific historical moment when Mexican food was born? The answer, I'm afraid, is not easy. Mexican food has two contrasting and well-defined backgrounds, the pre-Columbian indigenous heritage and the Spanish gastronomy that was introduced during the colonization of Mexico, which began in 1521. The mutual transformation of such cuisines was a process that lasted for hundreds of years. The intense maritime trade between the Americas and Europe during the colonial period is known as the Colombian Exchange. This phenomenon was key to generate a global trade of cooking ingredients. The successful introduction of crops and animals from the old to the new world was another very important aspect in the reproduction of the Spanish way of life in the Americas. But the Colombian Exchange worked both ways and native crops from Mexico and South America, such as broad beans, potatoes, tomatoes and courgettes, also became an essential part of the Spanish cuisine we all know and recognize today. Asia, Africa, Europe and the Americas were once oblivious to each other's gastronomic traditions. But the Colombian exchange of the 16th century brought a new array of spices and ingredients that flooded the cook's kitchens worldwide. A new and exciting combinations of ingredients and culinary innovations took the world by storm. For example, tomatoes made a spectacular debut in the old world and were even renamed as pomodoro or apples of gold by Italian cooks. Strong chilies were soon an essential ingredient in the tropical regions of South Asia and India, while for the first time in Mexico, sugar elevated drinking chocolate to a whole new dimension of indulgence as it sweetened the darkest and richest of all drinks. This brief recount of events provides several clues to our initial question. Is it possible to pin down a specific moment in history when Mexican food was born? Well, not really. But what we can do is to frame the seminal period in which a new cuisine of mixed heritage was created, and that is the colonial period. We can also say that the genesis of what Mexican food is today lies on the shelves of colonial pantries, where cumin, cloves, cinnamon and aniseed from Asia were side by side with beans, corn and cocoa from Mexico, while Spanish onions, garlic, lard and wheat were regularly used by indigenous and Spanish women who inevitably had to interchange cooking methods, recipes and traditions. Over the course of hundreds of years, together, they cooked a new gastronomic identity and, convoluted as this period was, lucky for us, the result was indeed delicious. Quite, quite delicious. We will continue the show after this message. I'm thrilled to finally announce the launch of Sabor, This is Mexican Food, a quarterly digital magazine dedicated to the exploration of Mexico's gastronomic heritage and traditions. The spring issue includes six full in-depth articles exploring the origins of Mexican traditional food, its staple ingredients and flavors that define it, and five delicious recipes to get you started into the wonderful world of Mexican cooking. Go to 
pastechipotle.com forward slash magazine and take a sneak peek inside this issue. Go to pastechipotle.com forward slash magazine and get ready to cook, learn and enjoy Mexican food in a whole new different way. Edible Geography The culinary landscapes of Mexico mirror the vast and contrasting geographical zones of the country. In the 761,606 square miles, the country has complex landscapes that create many microclimates and ecosystems. No wonder why Mexico ranks fourth in the list of megadiverse countries. The northern cuisine might not be very ostentatious at first sight, but is resourceful in the way they prepare locally sourced produce, which mainly consists of mutton and goat, as these are some of the few farming animals that could adapt to the inhospitable climate of these arid regions. By contrast, the southeast of the country is covered by jungles and tropical rainforests, where wild animals such as armadillo, tapir, and even monkeys ended up at the bottom of cooking pots long before the Spanish arrived. The beautiful coastlines of the Yucatan Peninsula inspired ancient Mayans to create a unique gastronomic tradition, which incidentally is responsible for the creation of drinking chocolate. Mexico has only two borders. One is in the north and separates the country from the United States, and one south that separates it from Central America. This border is shared with Belize, a former British colony, and Guatemala. The West Pacific coast is shared by 11 states, and the East coast encloses the Gulf of Mexico and is only shared by five states. Both coasts offer an abundance of seafood that is as comforting as it is refreshing and is an unlimited source of inspiration for the many regional cuisines that depend on the abundance of seafood to survive. And lastly, there's the majestic central high plains of Mexico, with vast fertile valleys that have fed entire civilizations with their uncanny variety of fruits, vegetables, wild animals, freshwater fish and insects. And this is precisely the place in which corn, beans and chilies were first domesticated. As we unfold this metaphorical gastronomic map of Mexico, it is becoming evident that the variety and abundance of ingredients and traditions across different regions make quite difficult and even unfair to define Mexican cuisine with just a handful of ingredients. Understanding the historical, social and cultural aspects that have inspired Mexico's gastronomy is an epic and delicious adventure that is in constant evolution, and we, my friends, have just started our journey. The last topic of this week is Tex-Mex food. But first, here's a quick message. I hope you've been enjoying this show, but to keep this new and exciting project alive and thriving, I need your support. Independent creators like myself bring diversity, empowerment and opportunities to enrich our global cultural exchange which is why the support of audiences with a passion for knowledge and creativity like you is essential. You can support this podcast by making a monthly donation on Patreon. You can find the show's page at patreon.com forward slash 
Chipotle podcast. By helping this show grow, you will also get great rewards, such as access to exclusive transcripts of the show, recipes, and even the chance to decide which topics you would like to hear in future episodes. Go to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle podcast. Every donation makes a big difference. Go now to patreon.com forward slash Chipotle podcast and be part of this delicious story. Borderline film. Borders are a human invention. They were created in order to separate, contain and divide territories. But more importantly, they separate the people living on either side. And often these communities define each other by their differences rather than their shared values. So what happens then when food crosses such borders and for some reason stays behind long after the people who carried it have left? Who then becomes the steward of these dishes and who is entitled to change them? As a cultural product, food is an expression of our creativity, abstract thought and our ability to produce and use technology to prepare it. Culinary knowledge is preserved by sharing it and passing it on through generations, and the creation of one can become the heritage of thousands. So once food is out in the world, anyone can feel entitled to preserve it, reproduce it, and even change it. Food can travel in a basket, hidden in a pocket, or even a Ziploc bag, but food can also travel in its abstract form, as a handwritten recipe, a book, and even just as a memory, waiting to be reproduced. Food has a way to bypass borderlines, time zones, and in some cases, it can even become part of hidden practices in spite of religious, political, or cultural restrictions. But going back to the complexity of borders, the food that is created on either side can be shared between communities, but also tends to depend on the availability of ingredients. And over time, it can become a big reinterpretation of its former self. And in some cases, we can even find deliberate intentions to change the original recipe. Mexican and American cuisines are considered as deeply contrasting and sometimes even opposite to each other. In one hand, Mexican food comes from a deep and complex gastronomic tradition. And from Mexicans, The national cookbook is a source of pride and identity, while American food often responds to different needs, such as convenience in price, low-intensity cooking methods, and mass production models to ensure its availability. We could say then that while one responds to tradition and heritage, the other answers to the efficiency that the modern Western type of life demands. Tex-Mex is a great example of the way traditional food from one country, in this case Mexico, morphed into a transcultural product that involved the transformation to satisfy the needs and tastes of people who claim a new ownership of it. Let's travel back in time, into the mid-1800s, the period in which the American-Mexican wars took place. The constant political tensions between the two countries and the continuous threats and attempts of the American government to invade Mexico created a hostile environment. And on top of that, there were continuous attacks and raids carried by Native Americans into Mexico's border towns. All of these drove the Mexican government 
to rush the regrettable decision to use the secession of Mexican territories to the United States. These regions are now part of Texas, California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming. In time, this proved to be a high price to pay during this ill-planned peace treaty. The aftermath of this decision created confusion and chaos amongst the Mexican residents in those areas, as they went from being the lawful owners of their land to be largely considered as invaders and opportunists by the American people. This caused division amongst Mexican families, as some members would rather relocate in another place in Mexico, while others preferred to defend what they considered their rightful homeland. This also caused them great grief as they were regarded as traitors and dissidents by the rest of the Mexican families. These communities, which looked like Mexicans, spoke like Mexicans, prayed like Mexicans, and above all, ate like Mexicans, weren't considered as Mexicans anymore. Still, the widespread use of ingredients such as beans, corn, chiles, and more importantly, the way you combining and cooking them remained an important part of their traditions, except things began to change. These newly added territories became a place of opportunity for many Americans who had to humble themselves to eat whatever was available in these lands. But ever so slowly they began adapting these foods to their taste and preferences. On the other hand, the former Mexican communities saw cultural integration both as a need and as an opportunity to survive in their new condition of being foreign in their former land. So the food that evolved in these territories, and in particular the state of Texas, became a local phenomenon, and it shifted from being traditional Mexican to be Mexican-inspired, and slowly drifted away and became alienated to the rest of Mexican gastronomy, while remaining distinctively different from what was considered traditional American cooking. Fast forward to the 20th century, and the global phenomenon of fast food chain restaurants saw in Tex-Mex food a market opportunity. First, the American restaurants such as Taco Bell, Chiles and Chipotle popularized this very unique type of food using a clever mix of marketing with a promise of big flavors at low prices and convenient locations. The unforeseen result of this was that, with the exception of Mexico, the rest of the world tends to regard shell tacos, burritos, nachos, chimichangas, cheddar jalapeno dip and chile con carne as Mexican food and many even expect to find it in Mexico when visiting, only to realize that actually traditional Mexican food is quite different. It would be more accurate then to call Tex-Mex fusion food. After all, what we call fusion cuisine is a group of reinterpreted dishes from one culture to meet the expectations and tastes of another. But it's also important to understand the limits of what it is and what is not authentic. To reduce Mexican food to a handful of dishes that are not even Mexican, not only is inaccurate and simplistic, but also steals people the opportunity of having an encounter with one of the world's most diverse and exciting cuisines. listening to this episode of Pasta Chipotle, a bi-weekly show dedicated to the exploration of Mexico's delicious gastronomic traditions. Don't miss the next episode, where we will explore the relationships between the ancestral indigenous communities 
and the staple ingredients upon which Mexican gastronomy is built, the surprising similarities between Baroque art and Baroque food, and what's new in Mexico's food scene. I would love to hear your thoughts about the show. Please get in touch via email or Twitter. You can find the contact details on the show's description. Support the show on Patreon. Patreon is the largest platform that connects creators with bright audiences like you. To find more information about this show and Sabor, this is Mexican Food Magazine, please go to pasdechipotle.com. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, rate, and share this show. Goodbye from me, or as we say in Mexico, hasta la próxima, amigos. <laughs>